Welcome to the Skyline SIB podcast. We just want to let you know that God loves you and has an amazing plan for your life. It's no mistake that you're tuning in right now, so keep listening. May God speak to you through this message. Wow, wow, wow. Very good, very good. So good to see the excitement here in the house of God. I like the announcement. I like the worship team. Really, you guys are doing a fantastic job. Alright, so for the last few weeks, we have been doing a series in Malachi. And uh, today is going to be the last series, a uh, last session for this series. And uh, it's going to be a very, very interesting and insightful uh, session. And uh, sometimes when you're the last person uh, concluding and uh, talking about the series, sometimes you feel a bit left out because... Uh, um, you know, all the good things have already been shared you know? So, so uh, today, I would need you to interact and engage with me even more, alright? Can you encourage me and make some noise, guys? Yo, okay? No, I, okay, so today, it's going to be total recall, total pursuit As we go along, you will understand what I mean by this title, alright? So, uh, instead of just... Uh, Telling you how to drink some uh, formula milk Okay, I, I'm going to take you to take some uh, uh, more uh, serious stuff And uh, eat some meat, alright And, uh, and uh, so the, perhaps the modern version will be I will start by reminding you some of the basic things Give you some milk powder first, okay And if I sense that you're ready for some chilli powder then I'll give it to you, okay? And uh, if I see that uh, saliva is drooling off your, uh, both corners of your mouth, in the end, I may even give you some gunpowder, okay? So uh, it's going to be a very exciting uh, session this morning. I'm going to try to impart, uh, impart as much as I can uh, over this next uh, 35 minutes or so, okay? So, yeah. In Malachi, we have learned about it, okay? The priests were complacent. The people were apathetic. Temple worship was neglected. God gave them commandments in the Old Testament, okay? Tithing, giving, don't divorce your wives, okay? Be serious, okay? Don't uh, stray away. So there were a lot of commandments in the Old Testament under the Mosaic law. Guess what? Like many of us, okay, they broke the laws, okay? Just like many people, they like to jump the lights, they like to uh, uh, um, do all sorts of things, hoping that uh, they would never be caught, like using their handphone when they were driving. Okay? I'm not referring to you guys, okay? I'm referring to those people outside of uh, the other church, okay? Yeah, so, so you guys are safe, don't worry, okay? I'm talking about someone else, okay? Uh, um, uh, so human nature, you see that, okay? So the leaders, the people were a little bit too complacent, okay? And, uh, and uh, so here, you see the several periscopes, there are, about, uh, there are many of them, and God is actually highlighting a point each time. When you make a point, you say, you have robbed me. Usually, there is a coherent pattern. The people will start asking a question. How have we robbed you? But you say, yet you say. So, it's the same pattern that you see each time when God is actually giving an, an exertion. And then God will have to come back and elaborate the point. So, substantiation, okay? We'll take, I'll take you through that uh, in a few moments, okay? So, today, we will talk about tithes and offerings. Yay! Exciting, right, guys? 
<laughs> yeah, I know that, okay? I know you guys are all ready, okay? If I sense that you guys are ready to empty your wallet at the end of the sermon, I will ask the usher to pass the offering bags again, all right? So don't worry, okay? So let's see afterwards uh, how far do we go uh, with this. This is a major part of the, the topic, but it's only one part of what I'm going to say today, right? So tithes and offerings. The popular question that we always ask are... What is tithing? Is it different from giving? Should tithing be practiced today? Why 10%? Why not 11.556%? Should I tie on the net or the gross? Common questions, right? Okay. So, Malachi 3.8.9. Let's read together, okay? Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, the whole nation, because you are robbing me. Wow. Intense. How do you rob God? Have you tried, guys? He has all the CCTVs in the world. Where are you going to run? He only needs to send a few angels will be more powerful than the drones. So how are you going to rob God? So to rob God means, okay, to rob God means to take something by force without right. It is not your right to take it. So God says that, okay, use this word to emphasize the seriousness of the disobedient. Okay? In the first book of the Bible, Genesis, we saw voluntary tithing. Tithing means one-tenth, 10% tithe. Okay? So Abraham and Jacob, they, they decided to tithe to God voluntarily. At that time, they, it wasn't a law. No problem at all. You want to do it as a form of admiration and appreciation to God. They did that. Okay? But when it came to Moses, it is given explicitly clear. It's a Mosaic law. In Deuteronomy 28, it says, tie and you will be blessed. If you do not tie by default, it's a curse. Okay? God gives you 100%. He said, you can be the manager for the 90% on the money. It doesn't mean that we own the 90%. Okay? We can be the manager. But the 10% is not negotiable. You are to bring it to the storehouse. The priest, the poor, and uh, for special festivals, okay? What were the tithes for? A form of worship and reminder to help the priests and poor for special festivals, okay? So it sounds very, very clear there, and it is not an option. But why didn't they obey? It has been going on for many, many years, right? Generation after generation, they've been doing it. You see, if the teacher wants to help you, he will give you the answer on the screen before he asks you the question. Okay, so if you don't know the answer, just look at the screen. Why didn't they obey? Take a guess. Uh, hardship, yeah, you got to hardship. Yeah, good, very clever. I like your answer. Any other answer? Huh? Life was hard, very good, well done. I know you know all the answer. Anything else? They didn't have much. Think about it, okay? Post exactly, okay? So, Zechariah and Haggai existed about 80 or 100 years before uh, Micah, uh, Malachi. 
So they were still under the Persian Empire governance, okay, if you like. So they are probably paying taxes uh, to them, okay, maybe every year they have to pay, I don't know how many percent. Guess what? You have to tie as well. So human nature, let's see whether we can cut corners or not, you know. Now, pay the foreigners less, pay less wages. If uh, those who are, uh, are supposed to be paid, let's see whether we can delay it, you know. We delay the payment, you know? one month, two months, three months, until the person is desperate enough and uh, until the person give up. So, so human nature, until they get to the point where they're trying to shortchange God. Well, He's the creator of the ends of the earth. When you do so, you are actually disobeying God. And somehow, uh, it's a very difficult situation for them. And because of that, God was telling them, you know, that you are not to take me for granted. The posture is reflected by the practice. You know, you withhold tithing because you are afraid that you may not have enough. And sometimes it is very difficult to focus and expect God to bless you. By default, God has an ordained order. Tie and you'll be blessed. If you do not want His order, you can easily walk into a disorder. So His order or disorder? The disorder often lead to chaos. So the land, okay, was unproductive. Pests, pestilence, they were just attacking, the, the, attacking the, 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 the crops and the produce. So here is what God is reminding them. God is not trying to have a go at them unnecessarily. Here you see that, okay, leads to chaos and there's often the restlessness in the soul when you do not do what God asks you to do. One is free to choose God's order or disorder. However, each decision will lead to a different outcome. That is why God is using tithing as an example. Remind them again, don't play the fool. Life may be hard. I would agree with you, okay? In our days now, we have difficulties. Sometimes uh, over the last two years, people were being laid off. There are full furloughs and, and all sorts of excuses we can give to God. But God always asks you, give the 110. What is available? If you have more, you give 10% of the more. If you have less, you give 10% of the less. The 10% is not negotiable. Aha! So, what happened next? Let's look at it. God, after telling them about all the bad news, He still provides a way out. Look at the positive. Malachi 3.10, okay, as you look at this cartoon, okay, you will get a, 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 a good idea of what I'm about to say. It's a very popular verse. I will do my best to explain to you as clearly as I can what it is saying and what it is not saying, Okay? Now, let's read it together first, okay? Malachi 3.10 Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this. Says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Without a doubt, this is one of the most popular verses of many 
preachers uh, use when it comes to tithing and speaking, okay? Now, this verse is not telling you that if you give God British pound and USDs, God will give you more of USD and British pound banknotes, okay? God can bless you with material gifts. Yes, His blessing include that, okay? But God can also give you back rupiah and yen, okay? But His blessings does not just encompass physical gifts, okay? You look at it carefully, it can also be long life, good health, good relationship with your loved ones, your spouses. So all these things are also God's blessing to you. You know what? Don't look at this verse as a return of investment guarantee. Okay? There are people go into this verse and expecting as I give, I will definitely get material things. Yes, it includes that. And in this particular verse, it talks about agriculture return, agriculture benefit. We will look at the next two verses later. But you must think about it. God may not just give you money. He may give you something else. Okay? Now, try me now. Okay? Look at the word that I've underlined. Try me now. Another translation, test me now. What, what, what do you think uh, God is trying to say? Try me now. Try and error. 60 days money guarantee. <laughs> money back guarantee if it doesn't work. Does it mean that? No. Test me now is an emphasis that God is saying. When you give, you will not lose because you can never outgive me. Test me now. So what is, what is he saying? Say the Lord, Lord, if I would not open uh, for you the windows of heaven or another translation, the floodgates of heaven and pour out, pour out, not dripping, pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. You know, test me now. So God is actually telling you that you're not just uh, hope for the best, give, and then you might lose, you might gain. It's not about that. Okay? Let's read the next two verses. Okay? So what God will do is, I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will call you blessed for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. In other words, apart from God being your provider, He will also be the protector and defender. Look at it. I will rebuke the devourer. So if your business is failing, things are not looking good, he is telling you, no worries. Do what I ask you to do. Realign your heart to my heart. You will start seeing, I will defend, I will protect, I will provide. You see, this is faith. Giving is a way of faith. And faith is not just about us giving and hope for the best. That is wishful thinking. Alright? So tithing uh, in the New Testament, okay? Uh, let me just uh, tell you, uh, you can argue with me, well, Ken, if, if that's the case, Jesus has died at the cross. We no longer practice the Old Testament uh, ceremonial laws, correct? Yeah. You, you know that we don't practice that anymore, right? 
otherwise we'll be bringing chicken and lambs and uh, goats to the church every Sunday and the usher will have to clean up the carpet after all the slaughtering. You, you know that, right? You, you, right? Okay. Did you, did you ask yourself this morning when you came here? Yeah. Uh, otherwise, we should be wearing plastic uh, outfit rather than uh, all this nice outfit like you guys are wearing. No? So we no longer practice that. So why do we need to practice the Malachi tithing? I have good news for you. Okay? I have two news for you, okay? The good news is we no longer need to tie. Everyone say, yay! <laughs> but I have another news for you, okay? And I will not tell you whether it's a good news or bad news, okay? I'll tell you later. A doctor once called a patient and said, Mr. Smith, I have two news for you. One bad news and one very bad news. Huh? So the patient almost fainted. What? Doctor, that's terrible. Huh? Bad news, very bad news. Usually people will say bad news or good news. But, but you're saying bad news and very bad news. So tell me the bad news first. Uh, the bad news is uh, you have only got 24 hours to live. Huh? <laughs> what can be worse than that news? No, that's terrible news. Okay? Uh, the very bad news is I've been trying to contact you since yesterday. <laughs> okay? <laughs> So, let me tell you the other news now, okay? The good news is we don't need to tie anymore. You can go with tithing if you want to, uh, but uh, today we are more gentle in the New Testament. We call it giving, okay? Giving must be from the heart, okay? And I know all of you have the right heart, so therefore I'm going to go straight to it, okay? 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, 8 says, Let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity. From the heart as he purposes in his heart. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 1, Lay something aside on the first day of each week in the church. First day of each week is doesn't sound very convincing. Wednesday, what? Sunday. So, so, Sunday. You sure? Yes. Sunday. So today, yes. correct? Right. So today, every first day of the week. So it shows that the New Testament churches were still giving, even though they are not tithing strictly the legalistic way like the Old Testament. So whether you want to call it tithing or giving. Uh, uh, um, it doesn't matter as long as you understand. You are not giving it out of compulsion now, okay? So, uh, should we tie gross or net income? I am oh, I, I, I recently uh, was asked by uh, someone in KL, uh, should we? Yeah. It's not about the gross or the net, it's the heart. When you are connected to God, and you know that He owns your 100%, the 10% should be the start of our giving, not the end of our giving. Okay? It's not the gross or the net. When you are trying to buy your wife a Christmas present, okay? Okay? Yeah, don't, don't laugh too soon, okay? Uh, it's about to come. <laughs> what do you do? Do you try to see whether you can buy the minimum, the cheapest gifts? Huh? Your wife may disown you very soon. <laughs> Correct? Or because you love her so much, you want to buy her an expensive gift? 
Correct? So, when I first uh, went out with my wife, I mean, um, I didn't know that um, you need to be creative and uh, buy gifts, you know. Uh, I didn't know that uh, birthdays and Christmas are so uh, important uh, uh, until uh, something happened, you know. So, uh, so ever since then, uh, I try to be a bit more intentional to buy gifts, you know. And um, you must buy gifts, uh, not... Yeah, uh, guys, don't use this excuse. You know? It's the heart that matters. So doesn't matter. It's a valueless of gifts. That, that's not a very good excuse, you know. If you love someone, if you love your God, what would you do? You will give the best, not the worst, not the last. So 10% is a good benchmark, but it should be the start of the giving, not the end of our giving. Is that okay, guys? Guy, okay, you're ready to empty your wallet now? <laughs> somehow, somehow, oh, silent, no amen, okay? <laughs> okay, now, okay, let's look at it, okay? The Old Testament giving and the New Testament giving, okay? Even in the New Testament, there are times that we can still be very mechanical in our giving. So it can become a very religious way of giving without really paying attention or being intentional, okay? So what's the difference between religious giving and reflect? giving. I call reflective giving as worshipful giving as well, okay? So, religious giving usually is out of judiciary obligation. The proclivity is formality and legalism. I do it because my pastor asked me to do it. I do it because my elder is looking at me, okay? And uh, so otherwise, I'll be scolded by them. So, I, I end up doing it. So, often with the wrong or no understanding, often stained with ignorance, fear, or compulsions. A word of caution for, for those who believe or preach legalistic giving, okay? Your motive may or may not be good, but your message can be lost because of your method. Reflective giving, on the other hand, it's meant to be intentional and not mechanical. Out of worship and sincerity, it is one of the ways we show our adoration the focus is the posture of the heart and not the amount on the chair. Understand the concept, all our possessions are the results of His provisions. When we give, we were merely returning to the provider. We are not doing God a favour because He does not depend on our gifts to survive. He owns the universe. He owns the universe. So we give to God. We give to God for our own benefit. Honestly. Okay? Now, let me just move on quickly uh, to, to the next one. Okay? The final dispute is also another very interesting one. Again, same principles, same concepts. You look at it, you can see the exertion is people were murmuring. They were complaining. And then God has to explain to them why are you complaining? Let's look at this and read together out loud, okay? You have said harsh things against me, says the Lord. Yet you ask, what have we said against you? Harsh. What does it mean? Okay, let's look at Malachi 3, 14, 15 again. You have said, it is futile to serve God. 
what do we gain by carrying out his requirements and going about the mo uh, like Moses before the Lord Almighty? But now we call the arrogant blessed. Certainly, evildoers prosper, and even when they put God to the test, they get away with it. Sounds like they're very disappointed, right? I do not know how you feel if your son or your daughter talk to you like this. You know, very disrespectful, right? The word harsh is not just rude, you know. If you check carefully, harsh can be also interpreted as coarse, stout, criticized strongly, arrogantly against God, almost to the degree of blasphemy. So severe that, you know, you're talking to the creator of the galaxy, creator of the universe. You talk like this. So, does it sound, those words, right? Let me show you the, the two verses. Do, do you identify yourself in those verses there? Our modern way of complaining, how do you sound? We sound a little bit like this, you know? Do those verses, okay, tells you God, you know, sounds a little bit like, God, why have you not removed corruption in this land? Why are there still oppression and inequality? Why are the wicked not behind bars? How many more years do we have to pray in order to see changes? Why is that guy behind bars still using Facebook? You know, sometimes in our desperation, when in our frustration, we can be a little bit harsh. But Malachi is getting a little bit too, the people in Malachi are getting a little bit too relaxed with God. They have forgotten who God is in their life. And you know what? God tells them, you know, this is an arrogant way of asking. You can be asking a question because you are sincerely trying to look for an answer. There are people who ask questions because they want the answer. There are people who ask questions because they want you to keep quiet. They want to defend their position. They don't want you to make them uncomfortable. These few dialogues between God and the people are uncomfortable, but necessary conversations. Guess what? as God explained to them what they need to do, they were discouraged and frustrated, partly because they are comparing themselves to the surrounding nations. You see, that nation is doing well, even though they were doing evil. But we are struggling. Our land is unproductive. We are like the second-class citizen. So they're probably struggling with inferiority complex. Not only, you see, you start off by comparing, complaining. Eventually, as you look at those two verses, they are now beginning to justify, you know. God, maybe uh, if I don't serve you, if I don't do what you do, I might be like those nations. You can smell that the position, the mindset is beginning to shift, beginning to change. That is why we need to watch our spirit. If you notice that you're complaining too much, you're being too negative about what God has said to you and you don't want, you're tempted to just do it your way, be careful. You're not trying to find excuses to justify your sin or your wrong. There are many ways to say many things and trying to get out of what God has asked you to do. Alright? The good news is this. Malachi... 3, 13, 14, 15 is not the end of this answer. God 
give you another way out. And then God brought up another verse subsequently. Let's read this together. Malachi 3.16. Okay? Let's read this loud and clear. Then those who fear the Lord talk with each other, and the Lord listened and heard. A scroll of remembrance was written in His presence concerning those who fear the Lord and honour His name. Because it's so delicious, we should read it again one more time, okay? Read it out loud, guys. Then those who fear the Lord talk with each other, and the Lord listened and heard. A scroll of remembrance was written in His presence concerning those who fear the Lord and honour His name. What does fear the Lord mean? Is it running from a monster? Is it running, being afraid of danger? No. The fear of the Lord is a reverential relationship with God. It should affect the way we live our lives. It is more than just respecting God. It is submitting to His Lordship. His standard and His law should be our reference point. No, we don't follow any standards. We don't follow the worldly standards because they can change. They can change any time. It is more than just respecting God. So these people, even though as a nation they were not doing well, there were still these pockets of people, the group of people who feared the Lord. And what were they talking? What were they speaking about? What were they discussing? Most likely, they were encouraging and inspiring one another. Don't give up. I know faithfulness is sparse in the land at the moment. I know faithfulness is hard to come by now today. But guys, we can do it. God is with us. Don't give up just because circumstances are difficult. And you know what? The Lord listened and heard. Look at the two words highlighted. Why, why do you need to listen and heard? You know, at the same time, what is God trying to emphasize on? Another translation say, God is paying attention. Another atten uh, translation is, God is listening attentively. Another translation is, God is taking note. How do I know? Look at the one. A scroll of remembrance was written in the present. A scroll, remember. God is trying to keep a scroll, registering, recording, remembering in a scroll or in a book. It means God is not just listening casually. God is paying attention and God is recording. The emphasis is God remembers. Your effort sometimes may seem to be very, very futile or minimal. You may not see the result here and there. Everyone else is doing something else. No, everyone else is enjoying uh, all sorts of uh, ungodliness. But you are to stick to God. Because when you fear God and walk with Him, you submit to His Lordship, God pays attention to you. And God remembers you. How do I know God is so pleased with this group of people? The next two verses give you the answer. You know what these next two verses are giving you the answer? The, the word jewels and son reflect God is not just now acting as a God, He is also acting as a fatherly figure. The word 
ownership is also reflected in those verses. No, I, I'm trying not to show you the verses because I want to keep it in suspense. You know that? Yeah, just like a producer when he's trying to make a movie, right? He keeps it in suspense. And then after that, the climate will come later. No? So that you guys will just be eager. What, what, is, what are they two, those words? No? Uh, okay, so let's go now. Okay. You, you want to look at them? You sure? Only four of you. The rest of you? Do, do you want to know? I said no. <laughs> so he said, okay. Right, let's look at them, okay? Now, so let's look at that, okay? Verse 17, they shall be mine. God is saying that. He is declaring His ownership on you, says the Lord of hosts. On the day that I make them my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. See how powerful those verses are? Jewels are precious, you know. You don't call someone that you hate jewels, right? You don't call them treasure, right? What do you call them? You call them certain kind of names, okay? Don't turn say that, okay? Yeah, uh, uh, okay? Uh, so, so when you call someone jewels, meaning that person is valuable and, jew- uh, and, and precious to you. So on that day that I make them my jewels, jewels are prized for its rarity and its brilliant, its luster. Jewels is often associated with royalty. That is how special and precious you are. So don't believe in all these fake headlines in the world, you know, and don't uh, hunger for so many likes and subscribers on your posts to get your value. You are not defined by headlines. You are not defined by your posts. You're not defined by the number of likes or people who share your posts. You know, there are people who do all sorts of things in order to get in the number of likes uh, on their, their social media posts. Don't do that. Your definition, your value is defined here. God says, you are mine. God is relating to you as a father. That is how special you are. Alright? Special? Don't sound very convincing. Special, guys? Well done, okay? I'm proud of you, okay? Right, so, um, yeah, I'm almost there. So, in the beginning, a few verses ago, we saw them, they were complaining, God, you see, the wicked are prospering, the wicked are doing so well. Look at me, uh, we are not doing so well. But God emphasised that in verse 18, He will draw the line, He will make it clear, the distinction will be there, the dilemma will be removed, no? Let's read it together, 3.18, Then you shall again discern, between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve Him. So God will make it clear on that day. Just because things have not happened yet, just because you think justice has not been served, don't worry. God in His own time will make it right. Faith is not just believing in God for a good outcome. Faith is also believing in God for His outcome. We have our election last week. Right? You, you know that, right? Did you guys go? <laughs> uh, you, you know that we had our election last week, right? Yeah. Uh, so, the, 
they were Christian and non-Christians. Wow, the social media uh, uh, was so busy, right? I thought it's going to be, uh, it's, it's going to be all these messages were going to be so explosive, you know? People were so sentimental, emotional. How can they, they, they do all this collision? How can they do all this, you know? No, we have our own mindset how we want God to behave, how we want God to take charge and take over, take control. But God, in His time, knows what He needs to do. We trust His sovereign Lordship. Now, our job as a church is to continue to seek His kingdom, continue to proclaim the good news, continue to pray and stand in the gap. We don't tell God how to do His job. You know why? Because He has an incredible track record. So far, the last time I checked, He has not made a single mistake yet. Okay? Whoa! Whoa! Okay? Our God is awesome. Malachi is not primarily about God scolding us. You know that? I know there's a lot of scolding there, but um, God is actually releasing all these words because He wants realignment. Our God is not a primarily a punitive God. He is a God that desires to realign His people. He is a redemptive God. You look at it, I, when I was preparing this message, you know, I, I, I shared it in the first service as well. You know, God, I say to God directly, it's not easy to be you, you know. Every generation just murmur and complain nonstop, you know. They talk about you and then they're not happy. After you deliver them from Egypt, then they say, why have you not given us water? Have you brought us here to die? And then they were in the wilderness. Then they say, how come the water is bitter? Now, can you give us some kind of water? Can we have something better than Ribena? You know? so, so the all kinds of uh, excuses they're given. And then God delivered them. Then God sent Jeremiah and sent all kinds of prophets you know, to remind them, repent. Otherwise, Babylon will come. You'll be taken over. Guess what? they were taken over, taken captive, and God still delivered them and brought them back to Jerusalem. After that, they didn't behave themselves. Building the, 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 the temple, right, half-heartedly, you know. So uh, part of the roof is probably missing, part of the wall is probably missing, you know. Not like the kind of construction worker that we have in Sky Arena, okay? The, uh, the Sky Arena workers are all very intentional and very serious, okay? But... Uh, no, God had to keep on sending reminders to them again and again. And now comes to Malachi. After Zechariah and Haggai had passed on for one generation, the next generation, God had to send another messenger to tell them again, come on guys, get your act together. You know, don't you think it's very tiring to be God? Yeah. No. If I were God, do you know what would I do? I would press the format button and delete the whole hard drive. Wipe out all these stubborn people. You don't listen to me, I will remove all these viruses and parasites. <laughs> Turn to the neighbor next to you and say, Thank God, Ken is not God. <laughs> okay. As we close this morning, as we learn so much from the book of Malachi, I want to encourage you look to God. Once again, no matter where you have been, He is there for you. He is there to restore you. During the pandemic time, I have a, 
some time to read some biographies. Okay? It's amazing you know, how God used extra, very uh, ordinary people to do extraordinary things in history. One such person that I have really grown to admire and respect is the televangelist by the name of Catherine Kuhlman. You know, I'm, I'm impressed by her, her miracles and so on, but I'm more impressed for, for her love for the Lord. She was born in a very, very small town in America. Most Americans would not know this town. And guess what? I can tell you, her background is spectacularly unremarkable. Okay? That is how spectacular her background was. Okay? But she has a tremendous love for the Lord. And that would turn out to be her greatest weapon to overcome impossible odds. Her passion, however, does not excuse her of her blind spots. Although she was leading people to the Lord, she was involved in ministry. As a teenager, she would clean up coops, chicken houses, turkey houses, and preach to farmers, preach to people. No, she has that kind of dedication for the Lord. But her passion does not excuse her of her blind spots. Her friends told her, Catherine, don't marry Waltrip. Okay? Don't marry this guy. He is married and he has just left his, her, his wife. Don't marry this guy. She didn't listen. And very quickly after they got married, she knew she is in a big, big mess. Not only she disobeyed God, not only she is in the marriage with a man that he should not have got married with, he, uh, she asked herself many times, how do I get out of this mess? Our God is a God of second chances. Even when you have done something wrong, you will return to Him. He will return to you. It was difficult. One night, after many, many days and months and years of crying, she was talking to God. God, I have nothing left. I'm so sorry I didn't follow, I didn't listen to what you have said. Many biographies do not describe this part of her life. You know? This is really a very painful chapter of her life. But she said to God, I have nothing left. All I have is my love for you. If you can use nothing, then use me, Lord. That was the defining moment where she decided to leave the marriage. As difficult as it was, she was committed. She began her ministry again, continued to share as an itinerary speaker. Guess what? God may be forgiving, but men and women sometimes can be less forgiving. There will be occasions where her meetings will be closed down. People will say, oh, she's a false prophetess. She's a divorcee. So she cannot uh, do this. Or the most dramatic story that I've heard is one person was, the one pastor in a particular church came up and in the middle of the sermon, took the microphone away and apologized to the entire congregation. I'm so sorry that we have a false prophet, false teachers here in the midst of you. And asked her to go back to her hotel and pack up uh, and leave town immediately. You can see that, you know, even in the house of God, sometimes we can do some very damaging things to each other. 
That is why, no matter you are facing a saint or a sinner, always speak the language of love. But you know what? You don't have to worry about titles or position, whether you're preaching in a big church or a small church. God is able to open doors. The door that God opened, no man can close. Eventually, she was preaching in a small church. This group of elders were very cute. They liked her. Small church, nothing special. They told her, can we have a meeting please? They say, we pray about it. We believe God wants you to be our pastor. After that meeting, and they say, no, 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 uh, Catherine was, because of many years of being mocked and shamed, you know, being put down by too many remarks, she was struggling with her self-confidence, although she loves the Lord. Guess what? Back and forth, they exchanged with her. Why can't you be my pastor? I can't know you. So, so they keep telling each other, you know, so the elders were trying to convince her. Eventually, she told her, told them, I love you guys, but I'm a divorcee. It will not end well if I become your pastor. You know this good group, cute elders say to her, we don't know anything about that Catherine Coburn. We know this Catherine Coburn. We have prayed about it and we believe in it. Would you accept the appointment? You see, when you believe in someone, no matter what they have done in the past, you give them a turning point. You give them a turning point. And that was the defining ministry. And then from there on, the ministry continued to grow. There were times that she was interviewed on TV. She often expressed remorse about that chapter of her life. But she moved on. And guess what? As she appeared on radio shows and TV shows, the ministry continued to grow. The blind could see. The deaf could hear. The arthritis, arthritic patients will be healed. They will be coming to the meeting and before she even give the altar call, those patients will begin to push the wheelchair. No longer depending on the wheelchairs. That was the anointing God was putting upon her life as she returned to God. Our God is a God of second chances. On the last crusade, she was about to collapse before the start of the meeting. But she asked God one more time, God, give me your strength one more time that I may do this well for you. And suddenly, the power of God came on her and she was able to conduct the meeting. After the meeting, she collapsed behind the curtains. They rushed her to the hospital and Otto Roberts were asked to go there and pray for her. After the surgery, Otto Roberts asked her, Catherine, do you want to be healed and continue with the ministry here? Or do you want to go back to be with the Lord and rest? With a feeble voice, she can't say too much. So she can only move her finger like this. Yes and no. And when all the Roberts ask her that question, she begins to do this. All the Roberts begin to pray for her and say, Lord, would you grant her her request? Would you let her rest as she has run the race? Not long after the prayer, she went to be with the Lord. 
She was once asked by a reporter, Catherine Goldman, you are so famous now. One day when you see Jesus, what will you say to Him? She said, she turned in a very personable way as she always does. Well, this is what I will say. Lord Jesus, I tried. I did the best I knew how. Wow. What an inspiration. What an example for us to learn. I do not know about you when I read Malachi. It's like a mirror. You know? Sometimes it's a bit uncomfortable. I sometimes has asked God before, you know, God, you know, why would you want to have anything to do with me? Why would you want to have anything to do with us? It's difficult to deal with human beings. We are stubborn. We want to do things our way. You know what the Lord remind me again? God is not just holy. He is also love. I do not know what you have been through for the last two or three years. But I do know God loves you. God cares about you. And your value is not defined by headlines or social media. Your values is defined by what God has said in His Word. He calls you His son and daughter, Jewels. This God is dependable. In a few moments, I want to give you a few minutes to reflect. As we close this book, would you really use this time to rededicate your life to God again? Let Him be the Master and the Lord of your life. I'll give you a few seconds just to do that. Is between you and God. Hallelujah. thank you Lord for today I thank you for all my brothers and sisters that you love us enough to send prophet after prophet to remind us Lord that you are a redemptive God this morning I pray for my brothers and sisters that they will truly stay loyal and stay on course even when life is difficult even when life is brutal they will not turn away from you Lord because you remember you will write it down on a scroll you remember you will pay attention you remember you will record and take note we thank you Father Lord for each and everyone here who is so precious to you for those of you who are here for the first time you are hearing about this Jesus for the first time. I want to tell you, it's not about joining a religion. 
is about relating to your Maker. He has always been there waiting for you to respond. He has a plan for you, a plan to prosper you, a plan to bring you to your destiny. Life can never be fulfilling without Him being in the centre of your life. I ask that if you feel and you sense there's a tugging of God knocking on your door, asking you to accept Jesus, asking you to walk with Him and give your life to Him, you need to respond. You can see Jesus if you are really honest in studying the Bible, you are really honest in studying the event, the resurrection, if you are really serious in studying the person Jesus, you will see Jesus. God is written all over history. But it requires you to respond. In a minute, I'm going to say the salvation prayer together. Every one of us will do that. If you say it and you mean it in your heart, Jesus will come into your life. Take Him seriously because He listened to you attentively. Hallelujah. Just say this after me. Repeat after me if you really want to accept Jesus into your heart. Lord Jesus, we accept You as our Lord and Saviour. Yeah. Thank You for forgiving me of all my sins. Thank you for loving me, although I am, can be sometimes unlovable. I ask that you come into my life. Be my God. Be my master. Be my defender. Be my provider. In Jesus' wonderful name. I shall hold on to the belief that you have, you have, you died and rose again. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Yeah. If you have said that for the first time afterwards, please let us know. It will be a privilege for me and others to pray with you. And for the rest of us, can I just invite you to be up and standing as we close? Hallelujah. There is that sweet presence in the presence of God, you know. I really feel encouraged even as I share with you. I feel encouraged. I feel reminded. This God is worth our total pursuit. Total pursuit. When a product is recalled by the company, the product is recalled to be made better. Now, when God calls us total recall, He doesn't do a job half-heartedly. Therefore, our faithfulness cannot be half-hearted. We must chase after Him at all times. Hey, thanks so much for listening and stay tuned for the next episode. If you need prayer or if you'd like to get to know our community better, visit us at skylinesib.com and let's connect on Instagram, Facebook and YouTube at SkylineSIB. Have a great week ahead.